Have you ever wondered if you could make a difference? This podcast brings you inspirational people who are making a tremendous difference. We will also be talking to experts in the field of creating the mindset you need so that nothing holds you back from making your vision a reality right now. Welcome to the Game Changers Podcast. And now, here's your host, Michelle Dutro. Hello and welcome to this week's Game Changer podcast. My name is Michelle Dutro. I am your host and I am thrilled to be bringing back somebody that I absolutely adore. It's every once in a while you run across somebody that you just feel is a soul sister, that you've known this person forever. You could hang out as though you've been hanging out for the last 20 years, even though you truly just met. That is how I feel about Kathy Groover. She was on episode 81. If you missed that, you want to go back and check it out. This is going to be a kind of a continuation to that conversation. And I'm sure you're going to pick up on the energy and the fun. I really do love her. So before I bring her on, if you didn't catch episode 81, let me give you a little bit of uh, background. She is in uh, holistic health and wellness. It's obviously a big uh, passion connection that we both have in prevention and getting ahead of ever having the need to call 911. She's an award-winning author. Uh, she is a hip-hop dancer and trapeze artist. I did not talk about this on our last episode. I am going to ask about it on this one. She's also the host of a t television series that's coming out soon. At some point, we all can't wait for it. You're going to want to jump on her website to keep on top of that, get on her newsletter. I'm sure she'll uh, post about that. We're going to hear all about that uh, as well. Suffice it to say, this gal has got it going on all around the world, is working with all kinds of people, veterans, the military, groups that span every walk of life that you can imagine especially with this latest book, which is what we're going to talk about now, which is stress. And there's nobody that stress doesn't impact in some way, shape or form. And I know that her and I both equally agree that the more you manage your stress and in a very healthy way compared to those that don't is going to be directly related to the amount of sickness, illness, disease that you're going to face in the, in the whole of your life. So with that said, my dear friend, Kathy, is there anything that I left out before we dive into your book and what you've got going on now? No, that just about covered it. That was awesome. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so my dear, tell us about this book. Um, we didn't do any pre-chat about it because I wanted to learn and hear about it uh, right now live with you guys listening. So hopefully I ask questions that would be coming up and popping up in your mind as well. So Kathy, tell us about the book and why you chose to write specifically about this topic now. Yeah, it's called Conquer Your Stress, and it's actually a huge honor. This book came out about three years ago, and it's won five awards, and it was phenomenal. And then, of all things, I had this I have, I have these things I call urgings. It's that, mm, I'm going to do that now. I got to do that now. It's almost like this little voice goes, go, 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 you know, that kind of voice. And it said, you need to get a traditional publisher to redo some of your books. And I went, Okay. And I researched that. And now that's hard to do. <laughs> Anybody that's tried to get a publisher or who has previously self-published books, that's right. then trying to find a traditional publisher to handle that for you is nearly impossible unless it was a huge selling book. Mine sold well, not a bestseller. Um, but I found this awesome company called Lotus Press 
they loved the stress book and my other book we talked about last time, Journey of Healing, and they said, we want to bring this to more people. So we just republished it. It's available nationwide. I just found out yesterday we got a contract in India, so it's available in other countries now too, which is so thrilling. And you know, given that this um, was the political season and we've had a little bit of stress with all that, um, you know, it came out at the perfect time. So it's been selling nationwide. I'm really excited to share all these stress techniques with more people. And to me, it's a passion of mine, the whole mind-body medicine connection, the stress aspect of what's happening. And, and you completely hit on it. No one is, no one can avoid stress. It's all around us. The only way to avoid stress is to be dead. That's and right. you know, it's not an option for everybody. So, um, Given that, uh, it's a buffet of options. There's probably 50 or 60 techniques in this book that help everybody figure out how to manage their stress response. So it covers everything, everything you can think of. Perfect. Okay, so um, I want to have this episode be about practical tips. Um, I know that, you know, you and I both have had uh, many clients, hundreds uh, probably, that will come back with the response, well, you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm up against. So, uh, you know, the fact that I'm still standing is a miracle in and of itself because you can't imagine the pressure I'm under and I'm just doing the best I can do. And that's an excuse. It's a story that we tell ourselves that this feeling of overwhelm and, you know, drowning on the daily, that there's nothing that can be done about it. You and I both know is absolutely not true. Right. So if we're talking to that person and mm-hmm. that person is, and let's talk about the typical, let's say the, the mom who's yep. got to deal with a couple of kids and the out to school every day and the lunches and then her job and her volunteer work and then being a great wife. And now that's dinner and all of this stuff. And I don't have time to go to the gym. In fact, I haven't worked out for the last, you know, six years because of all of that. At what point do we stop and say, okay, we've got to stop the crazy train. This mm-hmm. is very unhealthy. And at some point, right? Something is going to catch up with you that's going to force you to slow down and not in a good way. So before that happens, before you're diagnosed with something that you don't want to hear about, what is your, say, couple of top recommendations if somebody Mm -hmm. finds themselves in that flurry of overwhelm that they can wake up tomorrow and say, tomorrow I'm going to start something new or different, different perspective, different program. What do you say to that person? Yeah, we always have the ability to make a different choice. We always, I'll say it again, always have the ability to make a different choice. And if you say, well, no, I can't get rid of my kids and I still have to work. I totally get all that. You have the ability to think differently, to choose a different thought pattern about what that is. And I've worked with those clients who come in and they're practically in tears telling me everything they have to do in their life. And I acknowledge that. Hey, I don't have kids. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm one of the busiest people I know now. I can't imagine throwing two kids in the mix and you know, dogs and a mother-in-law that lives with me. And, you know, I I can't, I don't know what that's like. That's not my life. But we have the ability to think differently about that. We have the ability to put ourselves on that list of things to do. Even if it's two minutes a day, meditating in the shower, even if it's turning, brushing your teeth into a mindfulness practice, even if it's doing a mini, mini meditation, and I'll teach that to you guys today, in the car on the way to pick up the kids from school. We have these moments where we can make them ours. And it there's this misconception that relaxation has to be laying in a chaise lounge for an hour or watching a bad movie for the night or meditating and oming silently in a dark room for 60 minutes or a yoga class. Or, you, know, you can 
relax and you can meditate in so many different ways. And you just have to find the way that works for you. It doesn't have to be what it looks like for everybody else. So I'm giving you permission right now to relax the way it works for you. And if it's an hour yoga class, then you're going to have to find that time for that. But maybe it's 10 minutes of yoga while the kids are or putting their lunch together, or, you know, it also comes down to just the practical aspect of delegating responsibility. Uh, at some point your husband can pack his own lunch or iron his own shirt, or, you know, um, a lot of women specifically take on this role and they're afraid to delegate, or they think it's not going to get done right. You have to relinquish some of that control and allow yourself to be vulnerable and let those feelings of guilt go and redefine that role of who you are and do you want to put yourself on the list or not? Because like you said, if you don't, something's going to happen to force you to put yourself on the list and then it's not pretty. <laughs> Agreed. So Agreed. Do, it be- do it before it's critical mass. So I want to go down a couple of parallel paths and one you touched on is brilliant because it's whether it's in your home life or your work life. When you're at the point of overwhelm, start paying attention to everything you're doing and ask yourself, am I the only one that can do this task? Unloading a dishwasher, fairly certain if you've got kids in the house that can walk, they can help. If not, do the entire thing themselves, right? So in these things that we do feel that we need to micromanage and take control over, we are our own worst enemy in that regard. And that is on us. That is on us to make a different decision. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. What I want to do a deep dive on is the other fork in the road called, you don't have to sit in a dark room with the incense burning and chanting, mm-hmm. right? For an hour for it to count and make a difference. Yep. And let's talk now about when you said, I'm going to teach you some techniques. This is uh-huh. critical. You and I are on the exact same mindset, which is when you take these, the 10 minutes that you have, the five minutes that you have, if you think that that is not going to make a difference, that's because you haven't done it and you haven't done it consistently. For those who have, know how incredibly pivotal that actually is. Then you realize how important it is, the difference it starts to make. You find those times more often and longer periods of time because you realize you devoting 15 minutes to get centered and grounded buys you an additional hour because you're now not driven by stress and panic and chaos looking for your keys for 45 minutes that were right (laughs) under your nose, right? That if you weren't in a stress mode and reactionary, instead responding with ease, you gain so much more time. So give us these techniques, what you Mm -hmm. would walk people through that that they can incorporate through their crazy chaotic uh, day uh, that will make an absolute difference. Yep. And I love, I just have to praise you for bringing up the respond rather than react Mm -hmm. because I say that all the time. And when we're in that stress response, that fight or flight response, our memory fails, our cognitive functioning is poor. our digestion's awful, our immune system is compromised, all these things that are going to lead to more problems, whereas we could just get out of that stress state and be in that present moment, everything, you're right, you're going to gain so much time. Um, My very, very favorite technique, and I was a horrible meditator. I'm very type A. You tell me to sit on a pillow and still my brain and calm my body. No, 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 not going to happen. And when I was at Harvard, they taught us a technique called a mini meditation, and it's this simple. You think about your breath the rise and fall of your chest. On the inhale, you think I am. And on all your inhales, you think I am. And on your exhale, you think at peace. And on all your exhales, think at peace. So inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. If other thoughts intrude, and they probably will at first, no problem. You just say to yourself, oh, I was thinking, okay, dismiss it without judgment. Return to your breathing. I am at peace. 
Keep repeating that. You can do that in the car. You can do that in line at the grocery store. You can do that in the shower. You can do it while you pee. You can do it anytime. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to sit still. You can do that while you're walking the dog rather than ruminating over, oh man, my husband and I fought this morning and da da da. Why are you thinking about that? Or worrying about the future. Stay in that present moment with I am at peace. Best technique I've ever learned in my life. And what is uh, great about this, and I, I've had people fight me on the same thing that I can't calm my mind and I can't whatever, fill in the blank. What you can do is focus on your breath. Yep. And you and I both know that when we're in a, an anxiety, a panic, a stressed out state, that is equated to shallow breathing. Yes. So when people say, hey, take three deep breaths and let's talk again without people realizing they're playing the role of a mini psychologist, it absolutely <laughs> does work right? Yep. It just does. And so the more you can focus on your breath, what's interesting, you're saying that, you know, you learned this at Harvard. When I was at Harvard, they didn't teach me that. Of course, uh -huh. I went to Harvard uh, solely to the bookstore to buy a t-shirt so I could say that I went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> So oddly, when I was in the big store, nobody really? taught that. Yeah, they didn't tell you that they give no. you the receipt and teach you the mini. Oh, no, 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 okay. no. But yeah. I still throw out. Oh yeah, well, let me tell you what happened when I went to Harvard. That's uh, that's uh, foolish. You awesome. had, you were actually there for more than uh, five minutes at the bookstore, which is yeah. fantastic. I know, much smarter than me, which is why I love you. Um, and we're still aligned. So on this, tell me from your personal experience and the clients that you work with. When people do incorporate this that say, I can't do it or it won't make a difference, how much of the time when people circle back and tell you the feedback of the impact that it's made, what are you hearing? Yeah, I will, I will tell you my favorite story with the mini. Um, can I say one not horribly bad word, but can I say a bad word during the story? Go, go. If it's that bad, I have an engineer who will bleep it out anyway. So okay, just go right it's, ahead. It's not that bad. Um, I was working with a client. He was 23, drug addict, smoked about $300 worth of pot a week. Seems like a lot of pot. Um, I don't buy pot. That seems like a lot. Uh, and he was a surfer and he had trouble with controlling his temper and impulse control. And he would oftentimes haul off and hit people. Um, and apparently the surf culture, if someone takes your wave, I guess this is like the equivalent of slapping your mother. I, I don't know. I don't surf. And he was out surfing and the perfect wave came and this guy snaked his wave. He followed him into the shore and went to pound on him, remembered the mini meditation that I taught him hmm. and didn't punch him in the face. And he explained it to me by saying, oh, man, I was so mad. I was ready to kick this guy's butt, and then I was ready to punch him in the face. And then I remembered that mini shit thing, and I did that, and I didn't hit him. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, call it the mini shit thing. I don't care what you call it. Right. But it calmed him enough and took him out of that crazy state of wanting to punch this guy in the face. Was the guy still there? Yes. Was the guy still a jerk? Yes. But my client then had the ability to change his response to it. I've done that in airports where the flight is delayed again and everybody's yelling at the staff and everybody's running around on the phone calling, you know, going crazy. And I sit down on the floor and I do five minutes of I am at peace and I open my eyes and I'm in a better place. Is the flight there yet? No. Did it speed up the flight? No. Did it get me to my destination quicker? No. But then you have the ability to look at all these people driving themselves crazy, trying to change something out of their control. They're inflicting a stress response that was made for running from bears or being in wartime to an airport. 
they're putting themselves into such a horrible physiological position. And I can sit there and go, wow, look at them running around like crazy people. That's unfortunate. Hmm. I am at peace. It doesn't change anything except myself. And that's all we have control over. And this is where stress gets us. We try to control these things completely outside of ourselves. We can't control the traffic. We can't control the woman in line in front of you that's going really slow. We can't control what's happening, anything outside of ourselves. So do what you can. I am at peace. Change your response to it. That's it. And and I think in that moment, if we can change the question from, oh, my gosh, look what's going on here to, oh, my gosh, what's going on with me? Yeah. Because that is within your control, right? And, and the reality is this has a cumulative effect. So maybe you don't feel that heart palpitation today, but hang on. In time, the more we have these stress responses, the more this is uh, going to be what kicks in at 40, 50, or 60 that, that would have been otherwise preventable had you understood and, and taken a hold of some of these techniques. You know, another thing you mentioned that I don't believe enough people understand or associate with, which is what this does to our digestive process. Ugh. Yeah. Right. And so the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system, and you already said this running from a bear, right? And it's, it's how all animals are that they're grazing, eating grass in the middle of the field and they hear a twig snap instantly, everybody's heads up and boom, they run like the wind. Everything shuts down. Their no, their digestive tract, everything is done because all that matters now is not, Hey, I wonder how my digestive process is going to go. It's called, I need to freaking survive. Uh And then once they're in the clear and here's the difference between us and the animal kingdom, once they've made the clear and they look around going, okay, danger's uh, thwarted, they're right back to eating and everything works perfectly. They've let it go. Yep. Us, right? It's it's this constant, oh my gosh, and wonderful with our prefrontal lobe that has the wonderful capacity to worry about what may or may not ever happen in our life. So once that big threat of, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to get fired today, or I thought I was not going to make this round of layoffs. Uh-huh. Now that, that thing has already come and gone, you're driving home and all you're doing is thinking about what if it happens tomorrow? What if it happens next? Then what would I do? How could I pay the bills? How could I, how could I, how could I? And it never ends. My favorite Mm -hmm. line as it relates to digestive is being in a grocery store and hearing, you know, a husband and wife or a couple arguing and bickering saying, you know what? Let's just talk about this over dinner. Future client. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's always what I say. Future client. Because we call that job security. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Because of all the things and why, Kathy, don't you agree? There's many cultures that you literally don't speak during eating. There huh. is no conversation had. And and for the so one is is for the sanctity of what mealtime is truly meant to be and nourishing your soul and and the gratitude for what is before you. But conversely, if you're in a conversation, and let's say you and I are across the table from each other, and I were to say, wow, Kathy, nice sweater. I might mean, really, that's a nice sweater. You might hear that as, wow, really? Nice sweater. Like, seriously? (laughs) The heck did you get that? And now all of a sudden you're offended, so you don't respond to me. And now I think, wow, that's weird. You're not even saying thank you to my nice compliment. Now both of us are sitting there offended at each other without even realizing we should be and we shouldn't be right. while we're eating. And now the whole the whole process of everything is completely destroyed. So my advice on people, at least for mealtime is, you know, that thing that, you know, all of our mothers taught us, if you don't have something nice to say, uh-huh. now's not the time. So I would love for you to talk to people about that from your background when it comes to outside of the obvious being at a meal and yelling and screaming at each other long-term, 
What are you seeing? Because it's, I think, the number one, 90% or whatever the latest status is that of all Americans have some kind of digestive issue. Yeah. There's no way we can decouple this from stress. So what would your advice be on that? Yeah, absolutely. And just from a physiological perspective, and you totally touched on that. And I love how you're explaining things because you're using almost the exact phraseology I do. So you and I are just, we're so in tune. It's so fabulous. Uh, It's also validating because I go, oh, see, I said that. That must be right. Good. We're on the same page. Um, (laughs) If one of the things that happened during that fight or flight response, if you are the gazelle and you do need to run from the cheetah, your digestion stops because your body needs that energy elsewhere. So things are going to sit in your stomach. Or you're going to get nauseous and throw up. People do that when they get nervous. Or you're going to have immediate diarrhea because your body goes, "Uh uh-oh, we need to get rid of this. And this is far enough along that we can expel this so that we're faster and not as tasty to the prey. Um, Or if it's about halfway through, the body goes, oh, we can't do this yet. And it hangs on to it. Constipation. Yep. And if you look at IBS, which is one of the most prevalent stress-related diseases we have, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, it is its hallmark is a vacillation between diarrhea and constipation, diarrhea and constipation. Well, that's exactly what the stress response does. So people pile themselves up with these, um, you know, antacids and all these pills and all these digestive things and these proton pump inhibitor, you know, all this stuff. And in reality, meditation, breathing, mindfulness. One of the things I love doing for a meal, and it it is time consuming, so you probably can't do it all the time, but once or twice a week with your family, make the first 10 minutes of the meal silent and mindful. Mm -hmm. And the mindfulness aspect of it is simply going about a task with curiosity, purpose, non-judgment and using all of your senses. So smell your food, get your face in there and smell it. What are the scents that you're getting? Look at the food, look at the color. We eat with our eyes first. Look at the texture of the food. How is the light hitting it? Is there a shadow on that broccoli? How colorful is that broccoli? Um, What does that steak look like when you push on it? Does a little bit of juice run out? What does that really look like to you? Smell it, what does it smell like? Put it in your mouth, but don't chew it yet. How does it feel in there? What is the texture? Can you taste anything before you even start to chew it? And then chew it a lot. Chew it 60 times. How does it taste? How does it feel in your mouth? And the next thing you know, 10 minutes have gone by. You've barely taken three bites. It's first of all better for your digestion. If you want to lose weight, that's the way to do it because it allows your body to signal, eh, I'm actually full. We don't need to eat anymore as opposed to shoving it all in in five seconds. And then the body goes, uh, we were done like 15 bites ago, but you didn't let us tell you. That's right. I was raising, I was raising my hand in case you guys didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> So that mindful aspect of the meal is it's another way to be in the present moment. It's a meditation. Uh, One of the times I was at Harvard studying with Thich Nhat Hanh, we did an hour, I think it was an hour, um, silent lunch. And they said, bring a sandwich. We're going to do an hour silent lunch. And I thought, you better give me another sandwich because it's not going to take me an hour. Um, And I've got to say, it was the most fascinating thing because there were about 1,800 people in this room eating silently. And I don't know if you can imagine what 1,800 hundred people sounds like eating silently. It's anything but silent. It's actually kind of gross because you could hear every gurgle and every burp and every <laughs> crunch and every, you know, slosh. And, and then every once in a while you'd hear, 
which was a soda opening, and 1,799 people would turn to look at that person because soda's not mindful. Uh, you know, you could see the person kind of like shrinking down, like I didn't, it wasn't me. It was just, it's a juice, it's a juice, it's not, you know. Um, and then we did this for for ages, and, you know, and it was actually so fascinating because I never would have noticed how bad this sandwich was until I really thought about what it smelled, tasted, and felt like in my mouth. And the tomato was mealy and slimy, and I don't know if it was turkey or chicken. I couldn't tell. The lettuce was weird. You know, it's like I would have just shoved it in and moved on to something else. And every once in a while, and again, we don't have time to do this with every meal. We'd never leave the house. Um, But once or twice a week, or by yourself, take your breakfast that morning on a weekend and make that a mindful practice. We have to eat anyway. Right. We can take five minutes. We have to brush our teeth anyway. We have to do the dishes anyway. Do it mindfully a couple times a week, and that can be your quiet time. That can be your meditation to reset yourself. It's the control-alt-delete for your brain. It puts us back in the present moment. I love it. And you can all now see why Kathy and I could talk for hours upon hours upon hours on end. I mean, really, I consider you a soul sister. And oh, thanks, and, and honestly, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And even, even imagine eating a salad and stopping and thinking, where was this lettuce grown? Yeah. What was it like for the person who picked it? right? How long did that grow? I wonder where that came from. What was it like in the transportation? Who washed it? All all of the things that went into every single thing that's on your plate, how often do we ever even take time to think about, let alone have gratitude for? Yeah. And all of that is, it's it's a mindfulness practice. And, And after a while, Kathy, don't you agree that pretty soon it's not just something you do, it just becomes who you are? Yes, absolutely. And at first, I mean, just like anything, it takes, what do they say, 21 days to make things a habit or 21 times to make things a habit. If you wake up every morning and take a minute in bed, scan your body, see how you feel and say, I am so grateful for fill in the blank or do that before you fall asleep at night. A gratitude list is one of the best stress busters there is because there's always something we can be grateful for. And I did three months on Facebook where every day I wrote something that I was grateful for. And it was everything from, I turn on this tap and magically clean water comes out. Right. Not everybody gets that. I have limbs that work. I can ask my body to dance and to do trappy and to do things and to work. And I have a loving husband and I have two amazing cats and I'm surrounded by friends and I'm surrounded. Sometimes it's as simple as I'm breathing this morning. Right. You know, I mean, because some people aren't doing that well. My dad was just diagnosed with COPD and he's now on oxygen. So the fact that we have the technology that allows him to live a healthier life, you know, it's like we can always find something that's good. Always. We just have to focus on that. Now, here's one thing in uh, closing before we jump into your crazy world of trapeze that I I want to uh, end with on this thing about meditation and stress reduction and all of this. You and I live, eat, and breathe this. I mean, it's our reality. It's our world. It's what we know to be the truth. And it truly is, I think, who we are. I have heard the argument from people, and this was uh, in Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier, uh-huh. is that a lot of people will avoid this because they don't want to lose their edge. They don't want to become <laughs> some swami and some, you know, white cloth wearing, you know, robe, uh, hippie type, tree hugging guru. And right. I think you and I, which is what I love about our energy together, is we are great examples of uh, you aren't going to lose your passion and your drive. There's a big difference between passion and drive and being stressed out and overwhelmed. Yes. And I think people mix that up, right? 
Yeah, and it's so funny because people hear I'm in natural health and they assume several things. They assume I'm a vegetarian. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a meat eater. They assume I sit around all day oming and that I do yoga, hate yoga, do hip hop. Um, They assume that I, you know, a bad word never escapes my lips, watch me driving or watching football, uh, go Steelers. You know, they they have these assumptions about me. And or because I'm so type A and so driven and I'm still impatient and uptight, believe me, you can ask my husband, that has not completely gone away, that I don't meditate. Right. Because they see me being so driven and so go, go, go. You don't, it's not all or nothing. Right. There are these misconceptions that it's this 100% true thing. And it, it's ah, it, it's so frustrating because there's this blending. There's this combination of Eastern and Western. There's this combination of alternative and traditional. It's a buffet of options. And when you walk up to the, the buffet, if you see green beans and you hate green beans, you don't storm out of the restaurant. You just skip the green beans. <laughs> or... You take one and try it and go, nah, I still don't like green beans. Or, oh my God, you know what? That was actually pretty good. Right. right. We have so, all we have is options. And this book is about options and Journey of Healing is about options. And our life is about options. And believe me, I still put on my business suit and I speak to thousands of people. And one of the things that makes it more authentic is I am so type A. And if I can meditate, anybody can meditate because I am the epitome of Type A anal retentive Capricorn. So if you and I can do it, that's right. Anybody can do it, and anybody you don't have can. to put on a robe and shave your head. Right. I mean, you can. It's an option. It's not a look that works for me, but right. But you're not <laughs> going to lose your edge or your passion awesome. or your drive. I, no. I think it actually enhances it in the best way without turning that passion and drive into chaos. Oh, sure. And show me an an elite athlete that does not meditate, visualize, That's right. use hypnosis. Oh my God. Do That's you right. think the guy who's about to kick that field goal, what, he's not thinking about, oh, I wonder what we're having for dinner tonight. He takes his hand and he puts it down the center of that line and he is visualizing that football going through. Yeah. As he he's has a million times before, right? And yep. done. He's not, he's not stressed out. He's not like, crap, I missed it last time. Because if he is thinking, crap, I missed it last time, what do you think's going to happen? Right. Gone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, okay, you've referenced uh, the book and lots of other great things about you. If somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about where you're speaking next, what you've got going, how to get your book, what's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, absolutely. The best way is thealternativemedicinecabinet.com. All of my books are there. There's tons of links to media, um, lots of free re- resources. If you want to specifically book me as a speaker, kathygroover.com is really the way to do that. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on all those lovely social media sites. And you can sign up for my newsletter and get tons more info. And uh, yeah, please check it out. There's a lot of great resources there. Perfect. And if you're out and about right now listening to this, this will all be on show notes as it was last time. So check it out. If you missed episode 81, go back and listen to that because we talked about totally different things there. Uh, and in closing, I said I would ask about this. What is with you and the flying trapeze? I tried it one time and I'm oh. fairly certain they said to me, please don't ever come back. If anybody <laughs> saw you and your patheticness, oh. we would be shut down for life. Oh, no, no. I screamed so this is in Seattle. I screamed so loud. I'm fairly oh. certain they could hear me in California. So well, what it yeah, it was me. <laughs> that, and I was asked not to come back. So tell me about your affinity and the why behind that. I love it. 
Yeah, I've actually flown in Seattle. That is one of the top schools in the country. I love those guys up there. Um, I did it once because I always wanted to. And to me, there is no bucket list. It's you either go do it or you don't do it. Yep. Bucket list, you throw it in a drawer at 80, you go, oh, I guess I'm not getting to China. you know, Or you somehow horribly come up with a terminal illness and then you've got to try to get all this stuff. Do it when you can. The trip around the world for me will have to wait. Trapeze, I could do. Booked a trip down to Santa Monica on the pier, flew down there, was absolutely obsessed. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I've been flying for almost, probably almost four years now. Um, I'm on injured reserve right now because I had a little accidente and broke my finger, but you know, that'll heal. Um, But I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Uh, I've done dozens of tricks. I've done hundreds of catches. I've flown at seven or eight different rigs around the country. And that's my meditation. That's my mindfulness practice. It's the most amazing exercise. And go for it. And honestly, it doesn't scare you when you're hanging by your, uh, one of your pictures that's on your site. The second I saw it, I had to click away because that, that, that hanging upside down and flying and thinking that you're just going to catch somebody else's arms. I'm going to tell you what, like truly I am bowing to you right now. It was more than I could. uh, And I'm, you know, I was a firefighter. It's not like, uh, you know, fear is a big part of my world that scared the life out of me. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, I love it. There's there, there's been a couple tricks that are really hard. Like when I did my first layout, because you flip, you you hold on, your legs come up over you, and you let go and just continue flipping. It's like a layout on the ground, and you just don't know where your body is in space. And having grown up dancing, I'm used to a mirror and a floor and a choreographer, and you know you're in the air and you're just you let go. And I actually squealed on that one because I didn't know where my body was, you know. <laughs> um, and I've done a couple tricks where if you watch the video, you can hear me going, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> because you just suddenly you're like I'm spinning oh my god um, but no it's exhilarating to me it's that that's the good stress that's the that's the you stress that, that everybody is. talks about oh it feels so good and that it's is. Such, and it's such a great accomplishment I'm so proud of what I've done with it and I'll be back up I'm I'm I can probably fly in about three weeks after my little fingers all put back together so nice well I yeah. hope this in closing encourages people you know, don't, don't put people like Kathy and I in alternative, you know, medicine and holistic wellness in a box. Uh, I hope this shows that comes in all shapes and sizes and give something a try, whether it's meditation, breathing, get out and fly on a trapeze, get out of your norm, get out of what your comfort zone is, try something new. You never are going to know, right? Until you get out there and, and give something a shot and see the difference and the impact uh, that it is on the whole of your life. And you, Kathy, are such a shining example of that. It really, as last time, I will say it again, my absolute pleasure to uh, chat with you. And I will get up to Santa Barbara and we're going wine tasting. I can assure you, you will yes. see me before you know it. So, yes. Cool. Yeah. So thank you, my dear, for your energy, your passion. I uh, look forward to chatting again and I will be promoting the heck out of the book now that it's uh, with a main publisher. And uh, as always, thank you for for your time, your energy and, and the healing advice you were putting out to the world. Goodness knows uh, we need it. You too. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.